Thanks for clicking play on the latest episode of the Iowa Revolution podcast. I'm Spencer Dirks alongside my buddy, Dr. Bob Leonard, a freshly retired or at least semi-retired Dr. Bob. And you're already looking a little bit more freshened up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. I'm pretty darn busy doing a lot of writing, some interviewing, some, you know, different kinds of things. But one of the things I want to say as we get started is we did my last interview, the last interview, well, first, I just, you know, retired from KNIA Careless and the last, after almost 17 years here. And Andrew Schneider, our Pella News Director, interviewed me. And that was sort of fun and interesting, not used to being at that side of the mic. But one of the things during the interview process is that I didn't get a chance to, well, I, I'm sure I had a chance to, but you know how your mind goes during an interview. And I never got to say thank you for your friendship and your leadership and your guidance and your help over the years and, you know, a lot of other people that's been just sort of fun to work around Nathan Sage in particular, who's now uh, executive director of the Knoxville Chamber of Commerce and Andrew Swadner, Andrew Schneider, the people, the new, the, the great news team. And so, but especially I wanted to thank you because I blew it on Friday. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I wasn't waiting for that. I know how you feel about me. So I appreciate you saying that on our podcast. Sure. And you did mention that you're still interviewing. In fact, right off the top, let's kind of mention that you actually talked to Senator Grassley earlier this afternoon. Yes, I've interviewed him once a month or so for almost 17 years. And and we've had some really good conversations over the years. And I like to push him a little bit, but not always. I mean, that's one of the things that people don't understand if, if you're interviewing people. It's a fine line that if you, you know, really dig in like you want to, sometimes you can lose access. Right. Or just end the interview right there. Yeah. Right. And so there's a dance that you do. And and Grassley was very good. He's He uh, is willing to take the tough questions, you know, more often than other people were. And, and uh, it was interesting. I really pressured him on the indictments in Florida, Mar-a-Lago, against former President Trump, because he got a lot of flack because he would say to reporters, I haven't read him, I haven't read him, I'm not a judicial expert when he's on the judicial (laughs) committee. Right. And he said that he's read them, that they're very serious, and let the chips fall where they may. And so that was very interesting, whereas Governor Reynolds came out and said, oh, something like, oh, it's a witch hunt, it's a witch hunt, before she'd even read the indictments. And a lot of our other uh, representatives did the same kind of thing. And so... You know, and I told Grassley, you had so many times to step away from Trump and nobody's doing it. Why not do it now? You know, we just had the conversation. I'm going to post it later today, hopefully on my Substack, Deep Midwest. Make sure you look out for that. Make sure you're subscribing to that. Dr. Bob is part of the Iowa Writers Collaborative and Deep Midwest is part of that. You also have the Cedar Creek Nature Notes, which just got a new one this morning in my email. So make sure you subscribe to both of those on his Substack as you can subscribe to our Iowa Revolution podcast on Substack. You can listen to this podcast wherever you might listen, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, etc. So we got a pretty jam-packed show today. We've got the abortion case was sort of settled last week. I shouldn't say settled, but at least in terms of the Iowa Supreme Court, their decision has come down on the six-week abortion ban, so we'll talk about that. We mentioned several different times in the short history of this podcast, Odyssey, which is the company that the state of Iowa is contracting with to provide educational materials through this new partnership, basically taking away public school money and giving it to private schools. So we'll talk about a little bit of controversy with them. They're already in cahoots with the state of Idaho. state of Idaho is not very happy with them already. We also, of course, will have a little bit of cock talk today. Some news, maybe not necessarily major news about the Democrats and where they might sit in the caucus and primary process. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Also, we might be shifting the Earth's poles from how much water we're taking out of the ground. I saw that you had retweeted that over the weekend at some point, I think. And yeah, so I read through that a little bit and it was kind of interesting. So I figured we'd talk about that. Also, you might be getting out of radio at the exact right time. AI is coming for radio jobs too. So we'll talk about that. And we'll cap it off with our top five list this week. Top five current play-by-play announcers. 
So not Vin Scully is not going to be on this list. He is not a current play-by-play announcer. And in fact, my number one is also kind of like you. I think he might be a little semi-retired. I'm not yeah. exactly sure uh, what his situation is. But I'm still, at least for our intents and purposes, calling him a current play-by-play announcer. So let's get right to it. On Friday, and this is from PBS, abortion will remain legal in Iowa after the state's high court declined Friday to reinstate a law that would have largely banned the procedure, rebuffing Republican Governor Kim Reynolds, and for now keeping the conservative state from joining others with strict abortion limits. In a rare 3-3 decision, the Iowa Supreme Court upheld a 2019 district court ruling that blocked that law. The latest ruling comes roughly a year after the U.S. Supreme Court determined that women do not have a fundamental constitutional right to abortion. The blocked law bans abortions once cardiac activity can be detected, usually around six weeks of pregnancy and before many women even know they are pregnant. The court has seven members, but one justice declined to participate. Her former law firm had represented an abortion provider. All of the justices were appointed by Republican governors and five were appointed by Reynolds. While the state's high court maintains the block on the law, it does not preclude Reynolds and lawmakers from passing a new law that looks the same. The decision Friday was largely procedural. The 2022 appeal to the 2019 ruling was too late. Abortions, as of now, do remain legal in Iowa to up to 20 weeks in pregnancy. Yes, and uh, Governor Reynolds issued a statement shortly afterwards that they were looking to resolve this. My understanding is that any new legislation, it might even call for a special session. We'll yeah. wait and see. Yep. But my understanding is it can't be worded too closely to this one or they'll just reject it again. Um, Bob Vanderplatz, head of the family leader, has called for those judges to be ousted, even yeah. though they're Republican <laughs> uh, appointees, Reynolds appointees. And remember, he was very successful years ago getting some Supreme Court justices booted after the Varnum decision about same-sex marriage. The difference this time, well, they lo- booted means they lost their election. The right. thing this time is that I don't believe anybody's up for um, up an appointment or an election until 2028. So nothing's going to happen quick, quickly in terms of the judicial makeup. By the way, I always vote against the judges. I don't know about you, but I just always vote against the judges. That just comes from my dad. He always said when I was a kid, they've been there long enough. So he always voted against the judges. So that was passed down to me. Well, I vote depending on who <laughs> put him in. Well, you actually probably know some of the judges. Yeah, like I in Marion County, you know, you probably have a close well, relationship I know some of the Supreme, some. Yeah, and I know some of the Supreme Court justices too. So how quickly does this get legislated, I guess, because I think there is some infighting with the Republicans. There are Republicans that want even stricter rules where basically abortion is just completely outlawed outright. But there are a number of Republicans that I think don't want to go that far. So the Republicans have to decide within their own party which way they want to go. Yeah, they do. And there's some of them that don't want it to be an issue at all. They don't want to talk about it because they think it works against them and they're right. And so... I remember uh, DeSantis got so much flack for signing that six-week abortion ban in Florida, and I don't think they want to go through that here, even though they'd already been through it because it was the same thing. But we'll see if if Kim Reynolds thinks that she can leverage everybody. She'll make it happen. She's shown us that. Well, yeah, this was back in, I think, 2018, 2019, when they first passed this law. And this was, of course, before the U.S. Supreme Court had said that there is no constitutional right to an abortion. And there was sort of a wave at that point of Republican legislatures in states to challenge this law in hopes that Trump would get a chance to appoint enough justices to overturn Roe v. Wade. And it's kind of interesting now that it actually has happened that our Iowa Supreme Court has found that that law is unconstitutional. Yeah, that there's been procedural errors. Right. I guess I shouldn't say that. Yeah, you're right. It's not even that they've said it's unconstitutional. Some of them did write about its constitutionality, but the reason why the three judges dissented or said that we shouldn't be making this legal is, like you said, it was just too late to appeal. Well, and remember when about this same time where she was caught 
you know, going in the back door to the Supreme Court, yeah. trying to lobby the Supreme Court justices. Right. I mean, she was doing something she wasn't supposed to do, was caught red-handed, and then, of course, everybody forgets about it. People, you know, Republicans don't care. Well, yeah, and there's really no recourse for anybody. How is she going to get in trouble for that? I mean, she has absolute power in the state, plus our one elected representative in the state, Rob Sand, has no power anymore either. So... There's nobody to really hold her to account for things that are illegal or especially if they're unethical. What are you really supposed to do? Well, I'm just hopeful that Rob Sand will identify an issue and that the press will take it up and the people of Iowa will protest and we'll see if it it hurts them in the election cycle. But here the role of a good independent media is going to be critical, you know, with respect to this process. But by now... But by now, Reynolds is rarely speaking with the media, so... Yeah, she doesn't do press conferences anymore. She hasn't done that for several years. And speaking of Rob Sand, he has sort of gone on a little bit of a media tour explaining what this law does to his office. He's been on MSNBC. He's been on several podcasts focused on the state of Iowa. So he is trying to get the word out. God bless him. Well, and I spoke with him, and he was just, I don't know, was a... Right about when it was happening, I was up at the Capitol building and spoke with him, and he was just very surprised that he wasn't getting any national traction on this. Not that national traction would help, but I guess if we get a lot of national media and a lot of local media, maybe people will pay attention, and Republicans would pay attention. But, you know, there's no shame. There were some Republican bloggers that said, look, let's be honest, if this were a Republican in that office, we wouldn't do anything. But still, it doesn't stop them. They have to consolidate power. That's all they want, or power, and somehow siphon public money into private hands belonging to their friends and people they like. and people Or themselves, yeah. Further their ideology. Speaking of, that's a pretty good segue, taking public money and putting it into private hands. This is from the Idaho Capital Sun. The Idaho State Board of Education is still working to unravel the scope of issues with the Empowering Parents grants intended to help low-income and middle-class families offset educational costs. And the state board learned about a new issue on Wednesday. This is last Wednesday. Primary Class Incorporated, the state-hired contractor known as Odyssey, which oversees the Empowering Parents online marketplace, has, quote, been holding taxpayer funds in an interest-bearing account and retaining those interest earnings, end quote. That's from Jen Thompson, the board's chief policy and government affairs officer. It's unclear how much taxpayer money has been held, how much Odyssey has made off the interest, or whether the state can recover that interest In April, the state's Division of Purchasing issued Odyssey a notice to cure in an attempt to remedy the issue. And that's basically where we're at. They're going to continue to investigate, hoping something by the end of July shakes loose, and hopefully they can claw that money back. But as of right now, it remains in Odyssey's hands. So they're they're literally doing exactly what you just said, taking public money that's supposed to help lower and middle class families and just making money off of it. Well, and then at the same time, here, they've, you know, essentially made Rob Sand toothless. So if that's all happening here, I don't know if he has the power to investigate that. But what he can do is expose the scandal and see what the people do. It does seem like it's short-sighted, kind of putting him in handcuffs, because eventually all that stuff does come to light. Whether Rob Sand's the one that does it, or an independent journalist, or when somebody new comes to power then those things get uncovered. So it does seem like it's, yeah, a short-term solution that could blow up in their face. Well, and there's another angle to this that I'm still looking into, but I'll share it here. Driving home from my early morning walk at Cedar Bluffs, I had on one of the radio stations from Des Moines, and I caught, oh, maybe the last two-thirds of an ad. And I turned on my phone and and put on the recorder because it was about homeschooling. And they said, and I'm just listening at first, I'm thinking, well, okay, homeschooling, they're selling homeschooling. But then, and it was really a good ad because it was two mothers concerned about their kids and and could they, you know, one of the mothers saying, I don't know if I know enough, right? And it's gotta be expensive. And oh no, it's not expensive. In fact, if, if you're eligible, it's free. And so I'm thinking, 
Hmm. How is the taxpayer dollar? It's not free. It's <laughs> right, not yeah, free. Right. You know, I'm thinking that we're paying for it. Mm -hmm. But here's this nice ad, and if these moms have doubts, you know, that it's been sowed by the Republicans yep. for a couple of years now, and then they want this free homeschool education, and if we're paying for it, it's going to further undermine. I know the parents have a choice to do this stuff, but we already have school choice. We have public schools that take everybody. If you want to go to a private school, more power to you, but pay for it. Don't make us pay for it when those schools don't have to take our kids right. or grandkids. So I'm just wondering if how this fits in with Odyssey, and I haven't figured it out yet, but I will. I know you will. Yeah, I mean, number one is who is behind that ad, and two, what exactly are they hoping to gain from it? Most likely money. Right, and it's a, it's a radio station. I think it's 102.5. Yeah, which also goes to a lot of younger to middle-aged right. women. Right. That's who they market to, and that's what kind of music they play. And So, yeah, if you're going to put an ad looking for those kinds of people, it's a decent radio station to reach out to. So, yeah, Odyssey are basically thieves from the state of Idaho. We are now in this partnership with them. They're going to do the exact same thing with us. They're going to take our money, put it into a, whatever bank account or whatever account they have, and accrue interest off of our money and keep it. Yeah. Count on it. <laughs> I mean, that's just what's going to happen. Because do you think Idaho, like I said, they're still investigating. They've already reached out to Odyssey and said, hey, let's figure this out. We'd like that money back. And Odyssey is certainly not just going to hand it back over. No. Let's get into some cock talk. So... We all know that the 20, what was it, 2020 caucuses were a bit of a mess for the Democrats. We've talked about that on this podcast. A lot of that was, what's his name, Tom Perez? Yeah, head of the Democratic National Committee at the time. Basically sabotaged Iowa, said we got to use these apps to count the votes, and that crashed, and we didn't know the actual winner for uh, you know a week after it happened. Which is, to me, fine anyway. I don't really know why that's such a huge deal, other than to the people talking on. I do sort of relate to the people talking on the news networks and wanting to have those results as fast as they can. But that's not always going to happen. So long story short, the Democrats have already pretty much said, Iowa, you're out. You're no longer going to be our number one the state. national ones, yeah. Correct. So just wanted to, to kind of read this through. A committee with the Democratic Party has given Iowa more time to adjust its plan for the 2024 caucuses to meet national standards as Iowa fights to stay at the top of the presidential nominating process. During a meeting in Minnesota Friday, the DNC Rules and Bylaws Committee said Iowa's plan for a mail-in caucus does not meet its standards because it does not set a date for the caucus. It gave Iowa and other states 30 days to adjust its plans to meet standards. There are also legal questions of whether a mail-in caucus would meet state law after Iowa Republicans enacted a law this year banning mail-in caucuses for fear that would essentially make it a primary. The DNC earlier this year opted to remove Iowa from its traditional leadoff spot following embarrassing technical glitches that marred the 2020 Iowa caucuses. Instead, the DNC selected South Carolina to hold the first primary, followed by Nevada and New Hampshire, then Michigan and Georgia holding contests before the March 12th Super Tuesday. And we don't even know if, the, if Georgia, for example, is even going to want to do it. Right. They were also mentioned in that article about the fact that, yeah, they basically have 30 days to decide, do you actually even want to do this? Well, and I It think just is a fucking mess. It is. And I think the Republican governor of Georgia and the legislator don't want to pass the laws that could make that happen for Georgia. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a total mess. Wish they'd have just left it alone, but it didn't happen, so... I think a lot of it was just an excuse for the Democratic Party to take Iowa out as the first in the nation caucus. They've been wanting to do that for a long time. And when you have sort of a nationwide controversy with how you held the caucus, then that's very easy for the national committee to then say, well, that's it. You're out. Now we're going to have South Carolina and what was the other Nevada, I think. Yeah, South Carolina and Nevada be the first two states to go. Yeah, and it was 
I don't know, it was like a crazy feeding frenzy of the media on Isla. I was on, I don't know, Stephanie Rule. Yeah. I guess she's with, what, NBC. Yeah. I was standing on the, you know, on the roof of the historical building so they could get this shot at like 6 o'clock one morning. And she's just... And like, this is in February, so it right. was... Maybe 30 degrees outside. Yeah, it was 27. <laughs> right, yeah. It was 27. I'm there in my sports coat. <laughs> and, I, you know, all I have is my car heart. And I don't have this, you know, trench coat. Like yeah, the, important the very professional right. yeah, Capitol and, Hill. And so I work. didn't go on my, in my car heart. And so I went out on, you know, and stood out there for, I don't know, 15 minutes. And I had to hold still because they had the light on me. And I'm just sitting there freezing. I think I'm going to die. <laughs> there was a wind. And then, uh, you know, so, and then I have a handler and she made sure I got out there. And, and, uh, but anyway, so Stephanie Roll eviscerated me on TV. You know why? <laughs> it's funny. She was like blaming you for yeah. this. It's like, I'm just here to provide some insight. I'm right. in, I'm doing the same job you are, Stephanie. I have no control over how the caucus goes. Well, and I said that, that it's going to work. It's just not going to be instantaneous. Exactly. That it would work, like you were saying. It might take a few days. God forbid the networks, you know, have to wait. Right. But I'm standing there, you know, and that, like a popsicle, and she's <laughs> grilling me. <laughs> and then I walk back off the stage to the to speak with my handler, and she said, wow, that cold didn't get you. And I said, nope. And she said, you Iowans are so tough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say I don't have a nice jacket. <laughs> I'm really dying, but I just. You should have had the Carhartt on. That's true Iowa. I should have, but I just thought. As like, soon as you see the guy in a Carhartt jacket, you know that he's from the Midwest. So The saddest thing were the people that were the, the crew with the, the camera crew and the lighting people, they were looking at me like, they were watching a puppy f- die. <laughs> <laughs> they felt so sorry for right. me. But you got to have that shot. Got to yeah. have that shot yeah. on live TV. So, yeah, I mean, all that's to say that we don't know yet exactly when Iowa is going to be holding their caucus. We did mention, and we've talked about it when they passed the law, that the Republicans have made it so you can't have a mail-in caucus because that would make it a primary. But we've discussed the Democrats can do whatever the hell they want. I mean, that's not, they don't have to abide by what the legislature says for the democratic national committee to say, yeah, they can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah. And the Republicans, they can't stop. They'll they'll whimper and whine. Well, yeah, they can, yeah, they can whine and and get on TV and, and act pissed off about it, but that's all they can do. There's total victims all the time. All the time. Uh, I do want to mention, I know this isn't necessarily cock talk, but a couple things concerning Trump. Uh, I'm sure you've seen a couple of the clips with the Brett Baer interview. Um, it looked like Brett Baer actually was very well prepared, didn't really put up with a whole lot of Trump's, you know, blather and trying to talk over him. So good on Fox News to actually have a real interview and, and try to nail him down on things. So check that out. And I did also want to mention Hunter Biden is kind of in the news today because two counts of misdemeanor, I uh, wouldn't even call it tax fraud. It's just that he didn't file his taxes. So it wasn't even tax evasion. It's just that he didn't file his taxes. So those are two misdemeanors. And then the gun charge, basically he's an, an addict and you're not allowed to possess a weapon when you're addicted to whatever drugs he's addicted to. And it's just the goalposts always get changed. They're always talking about Hunter, 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 and now he finally gets charged, and well, now that's not enough. Right. Yeah, if I were as high as he were, I probably would have forgot to file my taxes, too. Yeah, I mean, he's just been in another world, apparently, for the past five years. Yeah, and you know what? He's not running for president. He's not the president. That's why I sort of didn't want to mention it, but just the fact that it is pretty big news and also the fact that it also ties into Brett Baer asked Donald Trump whether or not he would have Jared and Ivanka or his family helping out with the campaign or if he's elected in his administration and he said no but they've already said themselves it's not because Donald doesn't want them there they have said themselves that they don't want to be in it they've made all the money that there is to billions of dollars right so now they can just go back and enjoy their you know, winter home in Saudi Arabia and summer in the Hamptons and not have to worry about it anymore. So it's not like he's saving them any hassle. He said, oh, it's been so tough. No family has gone through more than the Trump family, which is preposterous. But 
I did think it was kind of interesting that here we are talking to an ex-president about whether or not he's going to have his family work in his administration. And Hunter has never stepped foot in anywhere near Joe Biden and his political career other than being part of the family, maybe showing up to campaign events, but never actually worked for him. And here we are talking about him like it even matters. Right. So that's enough. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need to discuss that anymore. Let's take a wider scope. I mentioned off the top, this is just kind of an interesting story. This is from New Scientist. Over the course of about two decades, humans pumped enough water out of the ground that we shifted Earth's poles by almost a meter. This is equivalent to the polar drift caused by melting Greenland ice over the same period. Quote, most people would go about their lives and wouldn't be aware of Earth's wobbles or the drift says Clark Wilson at the University of Texas at Austin. He and his colleagues modeled how changes in the distribution of water around the planet have affected the drifting of the poles. Yeah, and I don't know enough about it if it's one of those kinds of things that drifts often. I know that there's been flips in the past. Yeah, that would polar shifts. Yeah, right, that yeah. would be disastrous. And so for contributing to that, but you know, nobody's going to you know stop pumping water. So I think we should let these scientists make their prediction and say, you know, when everything is really going to hell and then nobody will pick. It does seem like there's one of these stories once a week almost. I remember hearing a story a few weeks ago about how the Earth's core has either slowed up or sped down, um, which has, you know, affected sort of the polar stuff. And so, yeah, just like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, it'd be nice to know. Well, clearly, us pumping isn't natural, but it'd be nice to know what else is going on that's natural that we don't have a hand in. But you know what? Just because, I mean, we know what we're doing to damage the earth with respect to global warming, and we're not doing anything about it. It's looking us right in the eye, and you know we're suffering from it already. Um, Twenty-six million climate refugees, but, you know, we're sitting here going, la, 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 we don't care. Right. And, of course, throughout the entire four years of Trump's presidency, he did everything he could to not do anything about global warming. So that was four years that we absolutely missed. And it doesn't seem like it's the highest priority for Joe Biden either. Well, they've implemented a lot of interesting climate smart programs, a lot of things encouraging you know, farmers, ranchers, foresters to do, you know, certain kinds of practices and rewarding them for it. I don't know. There And there's been investments. So I think that we're doing pretty darn good given the opposition, yeah. you know, the Republican opposition. Yeah, I've always said whenever somebody says that global warming isn't real, I just say, well, go in your garage, go in your car and just start the car. Make sure that the garage door is down and then report back to me in about an hour how you feel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if they're not dead. That's the point, yes, that is the joke. So moving on to... Oh, I have one more thing to share. Please. Uh, about the caucuses. When I was talking with Grassley a little bit ago, I don't know how we got there. I have to re-listen to it. But he says there's too many people, too many Republicans in the race. He wants them out. Yeah. He says that there's too many. We need to get to the top two or three and then just let, let's let talk about issues and let's not talk about oh, court cases or what or the election. But he says there's too many people in there looking for the VP role or looking toward 2028. He wants them out. I thought that was some pretty interesting info. Yeah, and he's a very powerful person in the Republican Party. Yeah, It's interesting that he told, I've not heard him say that to anybody else. Well, we got into it. Yeah. I'll fun. look forward to hearing. Uh, about 20 minutes, I'm guessing, is how much you had. I think time 16. With. Okay, yeah. About typical for him. Yeah. Anything else that you want to tease for your Grassley interview? Oh, just, you know, he had some interesting things to say about Trump. And I kept saying, you guys had the chance to cut him loose a long time ago. Why not some strong leadership and do it now? And uh, he sort of acted like he didn't have a lot of power. And that's what the people want. And so we'll see. We'll see what the people want. Not that I feel bad for Republicans, but he is right. You're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place if you are trying, especially over the past six years, trying to go up against Trump because you'll just get taken out. I mean, Grassley yeah. is about as powerful as you can get, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had gone against Trump or said things about how Trump should resign or if he would have voted to convict in his impeachment trials. They would have primaried Grassley's ass, and he probably would have been out too. Well, he was primaried, but oh, he was primaried, but he beat his primary contender probably right. because he 
stayed on the trunk ship. Yeah. So you did get out of radio at the right time. I'm still in radio, and this story sort of scares me, although I think my skills are a little bit better than an AI DJ. But this is from Business Today. Live 95.5, a radio station in Portland, Oregon, has introduced the world's first artificially intelligent DJ known as AI Ashley. This new AI host created using Futuri Media's Radio GPT is set to entertain listeners for five hours every day, adding unique twists to the airwaves. Listeners tuning into Live 95.5 in and around Portland can now hear the familiar voice of midday host Ashley Elzinga transformed into an AI clone. The clone voice sounds remarkably similar to the original, making it difficult to distinguish between the two. From 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., AI Ashley will take charge, engaging with listeners and even making special announcements like calling out winners. The AI DJ script is generated by Futuri Media's Radio GPT, powered by the advanced GPT-4 technology. It collects current news from various digital outlets and social media platforms to create a dynamic and up-to-date script for AI Ashley to deliver on air. However, Live 95.5's parent company is quick to reassure fans that the traditional Ashley isn't being completely replaced by her AI counterpart. It's just amazing to me that she volunteered to give them the voice that will replace her. Right. I mean, I hope she got a good severance package for that. And how does that work? Does she get paid a percentage for the hours that the AI is used? I didn't mention that in the article. Yeah, I doubt it. There wasn't really much to this article. No, but it was still interesting. And, you know, the, the saddest thing is, to me, sort of, it's pretty minor, though. But if we flub up on the air, you know, people laugh at us, oh, they're stupid, whatever. <laughs> but, if, if the AI, but if the AI flubs on the air, the AI isn't going to. Yeah. It's not going to flub, but it could say stupid and wrong things. And people are just going to say, oh, look, AI is great. It doesn't get everything right. Well, that's the worrying thing if I were running a radio station is if you're getting your information from, it mentioned social media platforms, that doesn't seem like it's a very good thing to be cribbing from. No, and there's, you know, all the... You know, you know, there's whole banks of Russians and Chinese people out there, you know, putting information out there on the Internet that they're taking. And Steve Bannon probably has a bank of people, you know, oh, yeah. re- rewriting the past and all kinds of terrible players are doing their best to, um, you know, salt it with misinformation. And then the, the regular people that have honest, that are honest and have integrity aren't going to do anything except. You know, just do what we do, and it, which is just, you know, do your best to tell the truth. Right. And not we're not going to fight it. So It'll be interesting to see what the response is. I mean, is Live 95.5 going to get listenership from 10 to 3? I'm sure a lot of people will tune in right away just because they want to hear what this thing sounds like. But it doesn't seem to me like listeners are going to like that. Well, and there's some things that are... That it can't do. I've played around with it a little bit, trying to get it to, you know, scrape local news and sort of build a, a list of, of stories. Yeah. And it can't do very much with current events. It's right. got to have things that are already on the internet. It can't. If he can't, it can't do last night's city council meeting, for example. Right. And and when I was playing with it, it couldn't do things, you know, a week ago either. So. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think we should also be clear, too. I think AI, and, and I'm also included in this mix, but I think we throw around the term AI pretty loosely because this is not really AI. Just like ChatGPT is basically just a glorified Google. It's not artificially intelligent. It's just really good at Googling shit. Yeah. It can Google really fast. Yeah. That's really... And, all- and put it in an interesting and well-written... Right. I mean, it form. does have... I guess, some intelligence to be able to do that. But I don't think it's really, it's not learning and then able to, like, converse with you. Well, and the thing, too, is that... For... Like, it couldn't do what we're doing. You know what I no, mean? Like, like, that's sort of my point. I go through and I kind of find some different topics. Chat GPT couldn't conceptualize outside of what's online. You know right. what I mean? No. And if yeah. it does, it would be taking from other commentators that are doing the same thing. It's basically just cheating. It's like cheating on a test. Well, it also has no authentic space. 
that it sits. We sit in our authentic spaces and we bring all of the things that we have, all of our experiences for our whole life, our whole education, our whole, you know, watching the world. We bring that and it's from our authentic space where we sit, where we move and walk and, and learn every day. They have no they have no similar context. So without, they have no authentic space. It's in a computer. So they can't possibly talk about the things that we can. They can talk about different things, maybe better than we can, but it's not gonna be more interesting or more uh, contemporary or more in the moment or more, oh, just, you know, where we can have a spirit, you know, a spark of inspiration or some insight Right now, we can just pop it up. It's not going to have that. And it also has to be prompted. It doesn't just work on its own. You have to ask it a question or tell it, please write a two-page paper on World War II. That's not artificial intelligence. It's just right. spitting information back at you. The other thing is, too, it doesn't really have personality. Like, it's whatever the per like this radio DJ, it's just stealing a personality. It's not its own personality. It's just taking somebody else's voice and inflections and intonations and, again, just cheating, just stealing it away from people. They can't steal a personality. They can steal certain aspects of, of what they right. hear, but they can't, they can't steal her personality. Right. It's not thinking for itself. No. It's just trying to be as close to something else as it can be. Right. It does not have an authentic space to sit like she does. Right. So I didn't really have good news, but the more I read about this submarine that they were checking out the Titanic, good fucking riddance to these guys. Well, you have to tell me more because I was just thinking, I hope they find them. I think it's too late, but I, you know, I know that they were, uh, didn't have the right safety equipment. I don't know. It's bolted whatever. in. They can't. They can't get out of the sub. Even if they were to surface, they can't get out of the sub without somebody finding them and letting them out. So they're dead. Why do you wish them ill? I Because they did something stupid. There are rich people that thought they could cheat death. They, this is like the 18th or 19th time that they've done this. They've gone to like the Gulf of Mexico and gone down to the Bahamas. They've had all sorts of issues already. So these people that paid $250,000 a head to get on this submarine obviously didn't do their research or they're okay with dying while trying to find the Titanic. In which case, cool. You're dead now. <laughs> I still hope they find them. <laughs> I can't, I mean, I can resent that and I can resent that privilege when there's so much better could be done with that money. They don't care. They're just money to burn, but I can resent their privilege, but I won't deny them their humanity. Well, that's the difference between you and me. <laughs> I must be AI because I have no soft spot in my heart for these people. I'm sure their families are very nice and I'm sure their families want them back. Although here's another kind of interesting tidbit about that story. One of the people that's on the ship, uh, his stepson made a post on social media, I think on Facebook, basically just asking for prayers, hoping that, that they find him. And then, like, later on that day or the next day, he was at a Blink-182 concert and actually took a picture of himself outside of the venue and said, I know some people might not think this is the best time to do this, but my family would want me to be here because they know Blink-182 is my favorite band. <laughs> so, I mean, am I really supposed to feel sorry for these people? It's hard to. Even the it? own guy's family is going to Blink-182 concerts. Well, he wasn't raised right. I mean, just in that context, he shouldn't. No. He shouldn't be doing that. If you were saying, I'm, you know, I'm here for my final exam for my, you know, a master's degree in physics or something, they would want him to be there. But right. at a concert, no. And why you would even post that to begin with? Yeah. Like, why arrogance. would you? Why would you post that you're at the Blink 182 concert yourself? Oh well, now I know because we're talking about him. That's what he wants. Well, that's he wants yeah. the attention. Right. He wants to be a. Which is probably why. He, which is probably why he posted the first one too he just wants to be in the news get a bunch of likes and loves for quote-unquote caring about his stepfather even though he obviously really doesn't yeah. this is his only chance at fame i guess he could have been famous too if he'd have gotten it, gotten this up <laughs> but we won't remember their names
I don't know their names right now. Yeah, well, I still hope they're okay. They have, at least as of this recording, 40 hours of oxygen left. At least that's the estimate on how much. So, yeah, we might know by the time this gets released at whatever time, 4 or 4.30 tomorrow morning or Wednesday morning, what the situation is. Well, we'll see. I just think it's, to me, I don't give a fuck. I don't care one way or the other whether they're found or not. So I'm not going to pretend like I care. Like I have this great humanitarian heart for these rich assholes that pay $250,000 to check out the Titanic. Well, in a submarine that's about half the size of the room that we're sitting in right now. Well, I will say something sort of snarky, and that is, too bad Elon Musk wasn't with them. Too bad he's not going after them. Because remember when the, was it Filipinos? That soccer team? That got stuck in the cave. Where was that at? Singapore. Oh, I know. yeah, that was somewhere pretty in like the, like Southeast Asia somewhere. Yeah. And how he said that he was going to save them, and then the person that actually did come up with the plan to save the kids, he called him a pedophile. Yeah. Like, yeah. How about you try to help find these divers now, yeah. buddy? Steal yourself up in a unopenable, watery casket. Are we ready for my top five? I think we are. Sure. All right. Top five current play-by-play announcers this week. We'll go with dead last, first of all. My least favorite play-by-play announcer, Gary Dolphin. Yeah. I mean, I'm just underwhelmed when I hear him. It's just, I go to sleep. I like Ed Podolak, but Gary Dolphin, I don't. Oh, yeah. His color commentators are great. Bobby Hansen on basketball mm-hmm. and Ed Podolak is fantastic on football. But, yeah, Gary Dolphin is. But and he's okay at football, but basketball, he is just atrocious. One of those guys that has a fantastic voice, but he's just not very good at the art of play-by-play. I think he's, well, this, I'm dating myself, but I do that with everything I utter. But it's like he's the Perry Como of... Sports broadcasting. <laughs> People know Perry Como. Do you know Perry Como? The name rings a bell, but you're going to have to explain Perry Como. Oh, he does things like, oh, I can't even sing like him, but it's it's like, um, oh, I'm sleeping under a tree and now woe is me, and just like a little. So a good voice. Little, yeah. A good voice, but not really much substance to it. No, no, and it's all it puts it puts you to sleep. Well, there you go. Gary Dolphin is dead last. Number five. Is Pat Hughes. You know Pat Hughes, right? Never heard of him. Chicago Cubs radio announcer. Never heard of him. Pat Hughes is excellent. I'm not even a Cubs fan, but I love listening to Pat Hughes. He's awesome. Number four is Joe Davis. Never heard of him. I figured. He's uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers play-by-play guy on TV, and he also took Joe Buck's position as the lead Major League Baseball analyst for Fox. So Fox Sports lead MLB announcer. He also does football, too. does a really good job with uh, the Fox Sunday football broadcasts. Number three, another guy I guarantee you're not going to know, but he does have an Iowa connection. Adam Amin. Never heard of him. Shocked. Absolutely surprised that you've never heard of Adam Amin. He started up in the Okaboji Spirit Lake area. KUOO, Campus Radio, those stations up in that area was his first job out of college. I think he's from Chicago. And he's currently the Chicago Bulls play-by-play announcer for their TV. And he also does uh, NFL football and college football, college basketball here and there. But mainly known for Chicago Bulls broadcasting. He's excellent. Number two, another guy you have no idea. I think the only person you're going to know is number one. Number two is Jason Benetti. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. My, my brain is just went into idle when you're naming these names. It's just like I got nothing. Jason Benetti is the Chicago White Sox play-by-play announcer for their TV broadcasts. And he also, like a lot of these guys, does several different sports. He does a really good job with college basketball. He does pro football. But yeah, Jason Benetti is. And I hate the White Sox. I'm a Twins fan, so the White Sox are our most hated rival but it's also the only team that we get locally. I have YouTube TV, and the Chicago White Sox are the only channel, or you know, the only sports package that I get. So I kind of have to deal with him. But he is excellent. And then his color commentator, do you know Steve Stone? No. Nope. Used to be Harry Carey's right hand man. 
Oh, that rings a bell. Steve Stone. Yeah. He was a longtime pitcher in the major yeah. leagues. and then Yeah, yeah no, I remember long him. Long-time yeah, He was good. He's excellent. No, those two as a pair are, are excellent. You'll know number one. Al Michaels. Yeah, he does a good job. Al Michaels is, to me, the gold standard in play-by-play announcing. He's not Red Barber. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> He's not Vin Scully. He's not Joe Garagiola. Those guys are fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. That's so, why I didn't include past play-by-play announcers. Those are a different category that we'll get to eventually. Oh, Maybe yeah. I'll have you do your top five play-by-play announcers, and we'll see if I know any of them. I do know Red Barber. Of course I know Vin Scully. Yeah. No, those... And Joe what do you want to bet that within, let's say within two years... There is an AI Vin Scully calling ball games for like a minor league team in Tacoma, Washington, or something like that. No, that would be interesting because they'd have to do a visual component to do the analysis, and right. that would be a yeah. I mean, very you're obviously have to have some sort of optics program. that can yeah. watch the action, but that exists, I'm sure. But that would I would listen to that. And, and see, see, that's the thing. But you know, we're all sort of testing our relationship with this new technology. Because you've used ChatGPT and you used it as a tool, and I've kind of messed around with it and had it try to write like radio liners and stuff. And I sort of agree, like, it's okay, but not great. I think I can still do better. So we're all still sort of testing, and I'm sure in the next 40 years, hopefully I make it another 40 years, that I'll continue to be tested on my own ethical boundaries when it comes to using this technology or even participating in it, whether I'm listening to a radio DJ that's AI or an AI Vin Scully. Yeah, well, that would be interesting. My problem with a lot of the contemporary people is they aren't good storytellers mm-hmm. and they and they talk too much. Yep. I, want to, I want to hear the sounds of the game and the crowd. And, you know. That's why Benetti was number two. Jason Benetti, he's an excellent storyteller. He has a great rapport with whoever he's calling games with. A very... Um, affable, amiable guy that just sort of seems like your buddy and you're watching a game with him, you know? Doesn't seem too full of himself, which I think a lot of play-by-play announcers, that was always my problem with Joe Buck, that he always seemed a little bit too full of himself. Yeah, and a little fake. Exactly. Yeah. Very fake. Like Mike Pence. Honestly? Yeah. That would be a great pairing for a running mate. Mike Pence and Joe Buck. Although I don't know if Joe Buck would want to be on a ticket with Mike Pence. I'm not exactly sure of his politics, but I don't think he would be with Mike Pence. I don't know anybody that would want to be with Mike Pence. <laughs> right. yeah, wouldn't that be funny if somehow he does get the nomination and doesn't like can't find a vice presidential candidate to run alongside him? You know, I mean that's not going to happen. But he'll get some county supervisor from, you know. Arizona or something. He is a former radio guy, so maybe he'll hire uh, like Clay Travis or some shit like that. (laughs) (laughs) He will have. Or Buck Sexton. Those guys are such clowns. They are. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Even even Mike Pence looks down his nose at them. As he should, which is saying something. Next week, like I said at the top, top five Denzel Washington movies. I think that is probably one that you'll have a little bit more of an opinion on. Well, yeah, I've seen a lot of Denzel. I think he's very good. I like every one of his movies. Exactly. It's hard to even pick a top five because it's hard to even... It'd be almost impossible to pick even five bad movies that he's in. Yeah, no. Yeah, he's a very good actor, multidimensional. Can be funny, serious, scary, whatever he wants to be. Exactly. He can be a cop or a robber, and Mm -hmm. you believe him intensely either way. Anything else to add before we wrap up episode? I think this is episode number 13. Well, just that if you enjoy this, um, please share with friends. Send us ideas, thoughts. What's the email address? It's iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. So iowarevolutionpod at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at iowarevolution. So if you want to tweet at us or message us there, we'd be glad to get some insight on what you want to hear us talk about. Yeah, and if yeah, and if you or if we're talking about something too much and you're like, stop talking <laughs> yeah. about it, you know. Well, and you, you know, you could send in questions too. Right. That'd be fun. I would love that. That would be really cool. So yeah, 
Several different ways for you to reach us. Again, make sure you subscribe to the Substack Iowa Revolution. Make sure you get this podcast in your email inbox every Wednesday morning. Also, make sure you subscribe to Dr. Bob's Substacks. He's got Deep Midwest. That's where he's going to drop that Chuck Grassley interview. Maybe, well, I should say by now it probably should be out because this will drop Wednesday morning. So it should be out by the time you listen to this or at least later on in the day today. So make sure you subscribe and check out his articles there. Then also, Take some relaxing walks in the wood and listen to some birds with Cedar, uh, what is it, Cedar Creek Nature Notes. Yep, and no politics. No politics. Just checking out birds and streams and fungi. And and also, yeah, if you're a biology nerd, yeah, you would like it because Dr. Bob's always looking for help on identifying things. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I've got some biologists that subscribe to it, and it's fun. Right. They've provided some comments, and I want it to be, I want to learn and people enjoy it. You know, I have photographs that people like. and For sure. Yeah. Yeah, the sounds of the birds. Yeah. And it's cool that you're actually making a catalog of all the birds that you hear with that Merlin app. So kind of get an idea of what birds are heading in and out of our area at certain times. Yep. And I've been walking that route every day for years. And we'll continue, even when it's cold, as long as I can get my truck <laughs> through the snow I'm there so. that's right uh, I do want to mention too better PR so yeah. I mentioned you're semi-retired so you are looking for clients that might be interested in your expertise when it comes to public relations yeah happy to help very cool so yeah again you can reach out to Dr. Bob on Substack Deep Midwest or Cedar Creek Nature Notes and of course follow us on Twitter we're at Iowa Revolution always appreciate uh, all of our listeners and we'll continue to pump these out for you Dr. Bob we'll see you next week Yep, absolutely.